good morning. The title of today's message is called A Senseless Faith. This is not a new word. It's actually a simple foundational message of all of our salvation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I felt an urgency in this hour to continue to exhort and continue to encourage us as the body of Christ that we would continue to stand firm. And having done all to stand firm in this hour, there's a war raging. There were constantly being bombarded and barraged by circumstances that are impacting the world, impacting our nation, impacting our personal lives. And sometimes those moments seem so dark and so deep. But what an opportunity for the light of our faith the truth of God's word to just potentially blossom and bloom and reach new heights and soar to new levels. So what I'm here today to share with you is just an exhortation and encouragement to not grow weary and to keep pressing onward and upward in our high calling that is in Christ. And like I said, it's nothing new But the question the Holy Spirit would ask each of us is nothing new, but do we do? Do we do it? So today I would like to ask some numerous questions, and I ask them to myself, and I ask them to you. And the first question that I would like to ask you is, do you have a senseless faith? Is your faith senseless? And I would hope that each of you would resound yes I have a senseless faith. Not senseless in the way that the world defines senseless. Because the world would define senseless as being hopeless, useless, pointless, worthless. It's of no value. So I'm not talking about a senseless faith and those parameters of the definition of the world. I'm talking about a senseless faith that is not dependent upon, not contingent upon, not restrained, and not limited to our natural senses. We have natural senses that allow us to perceive the environment, to perceive the world around us, to understand our circumstances, and to give us facts about those circumstances. These things are operating within what I'll call our head and our brain. They operate within our brain and our neurological system, very complex. And there are sense of sight, our sense of hearing, our sense of touch, our sense of taste, and our sense of smell. And I'm asking today, do you have a faith that is senseless and not dependent and not contingent upon our natural senses. And we should be a resounding yes, because my faith is not of this world. My faith is out of this realm of the natural, and it moves into a realm of the supernatural. It is a faith that does not originate in my head, in my brain, in my mind. It originates in the depth of my soul, in the depth of my spirit. It is a supernatural faith, almost as if it was a sixth sense that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word. 
not contingent upon these natural senses, but contingent upon the supernatural sense called faith. Are you with me? Okay, so we all should be able to say, yes, I have a senseless faith. But you know what the world would say unto us? The world would say that our natural senses, it would say to us that seeing, tasting, touching, hearing is believing. But the kingdom of God says, no, believing is seeing. We have a whole new set of spiritual eyes, ears, heart, mind when we are born again and come into the kingdom of God. And those are the spiritual senses that I'm referring to. And Christ also wanted us to understand this when he talked to Thomas. And if you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20, we're going to be looking at verses 24 to 29. And here we have um, Jesus. He's already been crucified He has risen from the dead, but he has not ascended into heaven. He is visiting numerous people upon the earth before his ascension. And he had already appeared to his disciples, but Thomas was not with them. And this is where we're picking up now in verse 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, who was one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. And he said to them, "Uh uh-uh. Unless I see in his hands, now he's talking about his natural senses, he has to see with his own eyes, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and am actually able to touch them. Again, he's talking about his natural senses and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, and the doors being shut, yet he stood in the midst of them and said, Peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. And Thomas answered and said to him, Oh my Lord, oh my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because of your natural senses, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And I just want to say to you, when the Spirit comes upon me, I tend to weep, so you'll have to excuse me. And the world would say unto us, seeing is believing, but the kingdom of God says unto us, no, believing is seeing. And you can see with those spiritual eyes, you can hear with those spiritual ears, and you can call down heaven to earth. This senseless faith, this supernatural faith opens up a whole new portal of the kingdom of God to us. It takes what is mundane and ordinary and makes it supernatural and miraculous. 
It takes what is a, a lie and a defeat of the enemy and turns it into truth and the power of the word of God and his spirit. Truth always prevails over facts. Our natural senses provide circumstances and facts. Our supernatural sense of faith provides truth and the power of God's word and of his spirit. And 1 John 5, 4 decrees, for whatever is born of God, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Our faith is victorious. It has the power to overcome the world. So now I ask you another question. Do you possess this kind of victorious faith, this senseless faith? And I would say to you, yes, you do, because the word of God decrees it to be so. If you are born of the spirit of God, when you come in and born by his spirit, a new birth, born again, come into salvation, believe that Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead, confess with your mouth that he's Lord. When you come into that salvation, you have been impregnated with God's faith. Not your faith, God's faith. And I'm going to refer to this as a seed of faith that has been planted into you. And the enemy would say unto you, seriously? you got to be kidding me. You don't have that kind of faith that overcomes the world. Yes, I do, because I believe truth, and I choose to believe what the word of God decrees, and the word of God decrees it to be so. And Jesus so shows no favorites. He shows no partiality. When we are born again, you and me, that gift of faith, that faith of God is imparted into us and we have become impregnated with it. And if you look at Romans 12, one through three. Okay, let me see here if I can find where I'm going. This is what the scripture decrees to us. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And I say unto you, do not be conformed to this world. Do not operate in the realm of circumstances, in the realm of facts, in the realm of your natural senses. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the only way you can renew your mind is by the word of the Lord. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because if your mind is transformed, then you're able to know and you're able to prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to everyone that is among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought, but to think soberly, for God hath dealt to each man a measure of faith. So we have a measure of God's faith within us. 
we're impregnated, if you would be, when we come into the kingdom of God with God's faith. And if I was pregnant in the natural, there are certain things I would do to ensure that the life within my womb is sustained, that it grows, that it develops, that it matures. And the same thing in the spiritual realm. If I was impregnated with the faith of God, and there's a little mustard seed within the depth of my being that has the potential to grow into a gigantic, enormous tree where others can come and find comfort, where others can come and find refuge, where others can find healing and love and liberty and freedom through the Christ that is in me, I would want to nurture and cause this life, this growth, this seed within me to grow. So in the natural, there's lots of things we can do when we're pregnant to cause life to grow. But I'm gonna basically pull out three things that I would do in the physical that also pertain to the spiritual. I would make sure I'm resting, I would make sure I'm eating properly, and I would make sure I'm exercising. And let's start with the concept of rest. And if you get anything out of this message, this is probably the crux of it all, the most crucial. And when I think of rest for me, I think of kicking my shoes off. I just think of laying down in a state of total surrender and total trust that the peace of the presence of the Lord would just consume me. Great faith does not come from striving. It's not your faith. It's nothing that you can conjure up. You can't strive to obtain it. It's a gift that is freely given. Great faith does not come from striving. Great faith comes from a full surrender, surrendering. And you can only surrender to the degree in which you believed you are loved. If you want to be fully surrendered, you need to understand and comprehend that you are fully loved. You cannot fully surrender. You cannot fully trust someone who you do not believe loves you and has your best interest in their heart and in their mind. And if you look at Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, Paul's writing this letter, but I'm going to read it as if it was a prayer of our own that we're praying unto the Lord. For when I read the word, I like to read the word that it's a letter, a gift to me and for me that I might learn. And for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant unto me, according to the riches of his glory, that I would be strengthened with might by his spirit in my inner man, that Christ would dwell in my heart through faith, that I would be rooted and grounded in love, that I would be rooted and grounded in love, and I would be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. And why do I need to be understanding this love? Why do I need to be rooted and grounded in this love? So that I may experience 
and be filled with all the fullness of God. If I want to experience the fullness of his sozo salvation, if I want to experience the, the, the abundant life that he's promised, if I want to experience all the promises that are, are yes and amen in Christ through his spirit that works in me, I have to get the revelation, not in my head, but in the depth of my spirit that I am loved, that God loves me. And now to him who's able to do this exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to his power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever, amen. Let's go back to the illustration of pregnancy. What is one of the first sounds that that life, that conception within the womb hears. It hears the heart of the mother. And that heart of the mother is what sustains that life. If the heart of that mother was cut off, the life within the womb would die. It would not survive. It needs that life flow to survive. The same with us, this life that is within us, this spiritual life, this faith of God, this seed that has been planted into the depth of our spirit, this victorious, senseless faith needs to hear the heart beat of the Father. And the heartbeat of the Father is love. Faith and love cannot be separated. They go together. And so often, as a child, we're very proud of the fact that we know scripture. Yeah, we know John 3.16, and we can memorize it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But I guess the question we would ask ourselves, is it head knowledge, or has it become heart knowledge? Do we meditate upon that, ruminate on that, mutter it to ourselves over and over and over again, that God loves me, that Jesus Christ would die and he would send his only son to die for me. If we are separated from the heart of the Father's love, if we don't choose to believe it and comprehend it, this faith of God, this deposit, this seed within us will not thrive. It has the potential to wither and potentially die. So let's ask ourselves some questions again this morning. Three simple questions that'll settle this issue once and for all. The first question is, do you believe that God exists? Yeah, I think that's why most of us are here today. We have a belief that God exists. The second question is this, if God exists, does God love me? And if we're able to say yes to that, then the third question would be, if God loves me, is he willing and able to provide for my needs? And are all of his promises yes and amen through Christ Jesus to me? God says yes to me, yes and amen, and can I say yes and amen to him? Does that make sense?
So to be able to fully surrender, we need to understand and comprehend within the depth of our spirit that we are fully loved. And if we look at Romans, there's a, there's a um, very popular scripture in Romans as well. It's in Romans chapter 8. And this is verses 31 to um, 39. And I'm going to read it again as if we're reading it to ourselves. What then shall I say to these things? For if God is for me, who can be against me? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for me, how shall, not he, how shall he not with him also freely give me all things? Who shall bring a charge against me? I'm God's elect. It's God who justifies. And who is he who condemns me? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, he's risen. And he's even seated at the right hand of God. And he makes intercession for me. What's ever going to separate me from this kind of love of Christ? Will tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? As it is written, for his sake I am persecuted, I am ridiculed, I am called foolish all day long. I am accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, the things that are occurring in the world all around me, these circumstances, these facts that my natural senses keep picking up, they can't separate me from the love of God, nor the things that are even yet to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing is able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, John the disciple believed this. And when I used to read the book of John, I used to think, okay, he thinks himself a little better than the other disciples because at least three times in the book, he would refer to himself as a disciple whom Jesus loved. He was not being self-righteous or haughty. He was not being proud. He knew that the other disciples were loved just as much as him, but he got it. He knew that he was loved. And you know, sometimes we sing a worship song, and um, I ask you now to please not focus on my vocals, because I warn you up front, they will not be the quality you would expect or like to hear, but focus on the lyrics. And there's a portion of a song that goes like this. Purify my heart, oh, cleanse me, Lord, I pray. Remove from me all that is standing in the way of your love. Now, we just read in the scripture that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So what is this song implying? Well, his love is poured out unconditionally, and nothing can separate us from that love, but the question there lies in, are we receiving of that love? 
Sometimes we put up our own walls, our own petitioners, our own barriers to try to prevent that love from coming through and receiving it. Why? Because sometimes the enemy taunts us with our past. Sometimes we stumble and fall with sin and the guilt and the shame and the condemnation makes us feel unworthy. Sometimes we may be self-righteous and proud and religious and think, we don't need that kind of love. I'm pretty good on my own. I'm independent. I can handle this. And sometimes it's just the fear and the doubt and the confusion, am I really loved? So on a side note or on a flip side, we can choose what we believe. Our whole salvation walk is a matter of choices. We can choose to believe that God doesn't exist. We can choose to believe that God doesn't love me. We can choose to believe that he's not going to meet my every need and all of his promises are not yes and amen for me. But we have to understand this, that what you choose to believe will determine the level of growth and maturity of the senseless, victorious seed of faith that is within you. And love is a two-way street. It's not only the Father giving his love to us, there's a call for us to also in this hour to reciprocate that love. How do we reciprocate love to the Lord? This morning during praise and worship, we praise him, we worship him, we honor him, we thank him, we're grateful towards him, we tell him that we love him, we spend time in fellowship and communion with him. Andrew Brunson was a missionary who went to Turkey, and he wanted to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the Turkish people because their nation was very void of truth. And he was imprisoned for his faith and for sharing the gospel. He was confined in horrendous conditions. For two years. And during those two years, he understood the heart of the Father toward him, that the Father loved him. And he began to reciprocate that love with a passion that he never had before. And when he came out of prison, he made a profound statement. He said that Jesus Christ has many admirers. Jesus Christ has many servants. But Jesus Christ has very few lovers. There is a call of urgency in this hour for the church to return to its first love. We don't want to be caught by the church in Ephesus, like in Revelation, where the Lord said to them, I have one thing against you. You have left your first love. There's a call in this hour to receive the love of the Lord, to surrender to that love, and to reciprocate that love. So I'm gonna move on to the next phase of this pregnancy. 
love and resting in the Lord is crucial. The second part of this is to eat properly. If you're pregnant, you want to eat healthy foods. And there's only one formula that can be fed this seed within us. And that is the word of God, the pure milk of his word. And there's no shortage or supply of that formula in the United States of America. It is at our fingertips. There's over 1,500 translations of the New Testament alone. It's available in written format in a book, whether you want hard copy, soft cover, leather bound, large print, small print, and it's available through all kinds of technology, which I'm not really savvy with, but for computers, iPads, cell phones. And when you're trying to feed the life that is within you, you don't want to be on a spiritual diet. This is a good time when you have the opportunity to actually eat for two. This is what is going to cause the life within this womb to grow. Just like a baby hears its mom's voice within the womb, and there's all kinds of studies now that tell women to talk to the life within your womb. The baby needs to hear mama's voice and dada's voice. Words of edification, encouragement, love, sing to the baby. The same with the life that is within us. The life within us needs to hear the voice of truth. It needs to hear the word of the Lord. Romans 10:17 says this, faith cometh by hearing and hearing from the word of God. And Matthew 4, 4 says, but he answered, Jesus answered and said to the enemy when he was tempting him in the wilderness, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we need to be careful with our spiritual appetites because they don't operate like our physical appetites. And our physical appetite, if we're hungry, we eat and we're full. In our spiritual appetites, if we're hungry, we eat. We're satisfied and content in that these foods are delicacies and they're delicious, but we crave more and more and more. And in our physical appetites, if we're hungry and we don't eat, we become more hungry. But in our spiritual appetites, if we're hungry, and we don't eat, we lose our appetite for the spiritual food, and we become apathetic, we become complacent. This life within us is no longer thriving, and it has the potential to wither. So I just leave that, because I think it says it for itself, and I'll just share with you Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 23. It says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and they are health to all their flesh. So we're resting, we're eating properly by consuming the word of the Lord, and now, if we're eating, 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 and we're eating for two, and we're eating, 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 
because we want more and more and more, and this food is so good, it's awesome. We have to have an outlet for all that we're consuming, and that outlet now becomes exercise. We need to learn to exercise our faith if we want the life within us, this spiritual seed, this um, faith of God to grow. And if you look at James 1, Okay, let me see if I can find it. 22 to 25. This is what it says. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, or you'll deceive your own self. For if any man is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who observes his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself He goes away, and immediately he forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed of God. We need to exercise our faith. Faith that works is faith that works. Faith that works is faith that works. What does that mean? That means that faith that is effective, faith that is powerful, faith that sees results, is faith that is obedient, is faith that does the work of the Lord. Faith that works is faith that works. And this whole concept then circles back to the concept of love. What does the Bible tell us over and over and over again? The Bible says, if you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will do my works. If you love me, you will do and honor my commandments. So we're called to do the word of God. It's just that simple. We all have been given the great commission. We are all called to make disciples of other nations to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to heal the sick, to set the captives free, to maintain unity and oneness in the body of Christ, to walk in love and forgiveness. So we have to ask ourselves, are we exercising our faith? And so often I used to hear, well, just be a risk taker and do it. And if you were ever out in the grocery store and the Lord showed you somebody and the Holy Spirit gave you a nudge and said, I need you to share this word with this person. I need you to pray for that person. I'm not a risk taker. And I would think, oh Lord, I don't like to take risk. And then I heard someone say one time, it's not a risk if you're not a risk taker, it's an opportunity. Oh, I'll take an opportunity. So if you're not a risk taker, become an opportunist and exercise your faith. Because if we do not use it, we're gonna lose it. We're gonna lose our confidence, we're gonna lose our desire, we're gonna lose our appetite, and we're gonna lose that karyos moment of opportunity that the Lord placed before us. And this walk of obedience is not a blind walk in the darkness. It's a walk that is well lit by the power of his word and by the power of his spirit. His word says to us, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
So the walk of obedience is not a blind walk in the dark. It's a walk of faith that's illuminated by the word of God and directed by the power of his Holy Spirit. So again, today's message is not a new message. It's a very simple message about faith. And I just pulled three simple concepts that if you were pregnant in the natural, you would want to do in the spiritual to keep this faith of God. Again, it's not our faith. It's not something we can strive for or conjure up. It's a faith that we have been impregnated with. It's the faith of God. And we, he has done his part. And now we're challenged to do our part to cause it to grow and to mature and to continue to growing and continue to maturing. And three simple things, we can rest in the love of the Lord, we can feed by his feeding upon the word of the Lord, and we can obey and exercise and do the word of the Lord. And I just wanna summarize again with an exhortation and an encouragement and an illustration that the Lord gave me. We are in a war. Your natural senses can tell you that. Just turn on the news, what you see, what you hear, what you would be able to smell sometimes if you were places where cities were burning. It all impacts our natural senses. It gives us facts. It gives us reality about our environment. But the Lord would say to us, what are you gonna do about it with that seed of faith, with God's faith that has imparted into you? We need to rise above the circumstances and have a senseless faith that moves into the realm of the supernatural and it moves into the round of a decree of God's word over the circumstances, because truth shall prevail by the power of his word and by the power of his spirit. So the enemy is out there doing anything he can to kill, steal, and destroy our faith in this hour. Even if he can dilute it, how many people have had their faith diluted? They were strong in the things of the Lord, but now they're just not thinking straight anymore. Anything he can to cause confusion, havoc, fear. We are in a war, and the Holy Spirit, when I was preparing this, kind of likened it to me as a strategic game. We are in a strategic game, and it, he likened it unto football. And hear my heart in this, because I will confess to you right now, and my husband will greatly attest to this, that I do not fully understand the game of football. But I understand enough to have what, how I perceive the game anyway for the Holy Spirit to teach me and give me some pointers. And I'm gonna share them with you now. And I'm gonna use the example of the strategic game of football. Okay, and I'm going to use the scripture from Hebrews 11.1, 1, which decrees, now faith, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I must admit, sometimes my natural mind would struggle with that. What is that trying to tell me? And this is how the Holy Spirit broke it down for me and how I want to share it with you. Now faith, now faith, it's not faith that I'm going to conjure up tomorrow. It's not faith that I'm going to work on a, a month from now or a year from now. It's now faith. Is faith today, now faith. It's a now faith. And he has showed to me that we're, nobody sits on the bench in this game. Everybody's playing. 
all for one and one for all, all for one, the church of Jesus Christ united together as one force, strategically planted throughout the nations of the world, but one family, one body, one team, one church, all for the honor and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, all for the advancement of his kingdom. Hope, things hope for. My hope is at the goal line, and I'm not talking about dying and going to heaven. My hope is the goal line. It is those things that have been promised to me in the word of the Lord. It's that sozo salvation that God talks about. It's that abundant life. It is all the promises that are yes and amen in Christ. Every time the enemy throws something my way, I'm heading toward the goal line because believing is seeing. And I can see with my spiritual eyes because what the word of the Lord has said to me and what the Holy Spirit revealed to me, what is mine. And I'm moving toward that goal line and the goal posts are high up in the air showing me where the goal line is so that I keep my eyes off the playing field and the circumstances and the facts around me and I keep them above and I keep them on from whence cometh my help. I keep them on the spiritual realm. I keep them on the kingdom of God and the word of God. And my faith, this is my faith. I'm gonna liken it to this football. This is my faith. My faith is in the one who made those promises. My faith is in the one who died on the cross of Calvary as a divine exchange that those promises could and would be in our mind. The work is finished, they're mine, and I'm holding on to that faith that is within me. I'm holding on to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? If I cross this goal line without the ball, I don't score, do I? Wayne, I don't, do I? No. <laughs> I need to have the ball in order to score. I need to maintain and hold on to my faith. All of our salvation is based on faith. So what a great salvation we have. And the word of the Lord actually says in Hebrews, I think it's 11.6, for without faith, it's impossible to please God for if you come to God, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So I'm holding on to my faith. And you know what? I'm not letting the enemy cause me to fumble this ball. There's no way he's gonna kick it out of my hands, steal it from me. I'm holding it tight. And I'm gonna play in this game and contend in this game with the heart of a warrior, but yet with the confidence of a king, knowing that the victory is mine. Romans 8.37 said it was mine, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm gonna take my timeouts. I'm gonna go into the huddle and I'm gonna hear from the coach. 
I need to know what the Heavenly Father is saying. I need to know what he's doing. I need my time outs. I need my time spent with the Lord to hear from the heart of the Father. And by all means, I had better have the playbook memorized. I need to be in it. And now when he tells me to execute a play that I know what I'm supposed to do, if I have not hid his word in my heart that I would not sin against him, how am I going to know how to execute the play when he calls the play? So I'm going to be in the playbook and I'm going to memorize the playbook. And I'm going to listen to the referee, the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's going to make sure that we play by the rules. He's the one who's going to make sure that we stay on the field and don't get knocked off the field. So I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. And you know what? The stadium's full. There's a roaring crowd out there, and some of it's from a worldly level and a world perspective. You know what? They're cheering that we fail. They don't want us to succeed. But there's a stadium even fuller. And it's a heavenly host of witnesses. And if you read in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it talks about that heavenly host. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, running with the heart of a warrior and yet contending and running with the confidence of a king. Looking unto Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your own souls. You know, the stadium is full, and if you've ever been to a Penn State game, there's probably more than 100,000 people there, and they do these crazy chants. I like to watch the crowds, by the way. Wayne watches the game. I watch the crowds, but... They do these crazy chants, and they'll holler, we are, and the stadium just roars, we are, and then people are to roar back, Penn State. We are Penn State. Can you hear this cloud of witnesses roaring? We are loved. We are loved. We are loved, if we can get the crux of that into the depth of our spirit. Because this new birth is probably the, it is the most crucial experience that we'll ever encounter in our lives. Yet it is only the beginning of a birthing process. A seed of faith, the faith of God, has been implanted into us. And now it's our responsibility to allow that seed to develop, to mature, and to grow. And the world would say unto us, you have a senseless faith. It is useless, it's worthless, it's pointless, it's of no value. And I would say to the world, yes, to you it's foolishness, but my senseless faith to me is the power of God. It moves me from the ordinary and the mundane 
into the supernatural, in the miraculous. It moves me from what the world says impossible to what God said all things are possible with God. It moves me from the lies and the defeat of the enemy into the truth and the victory of God's word and of his kingdom. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe, first to the Jew and also to the Gentile. And I would say yes and amen, so be a God. Thank you. And to our feet, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for imparting that word to us, but more than that, thank you for reminding us of the rich impartation of faith that we have. This life that we live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved us and gave himself for us. So I pray that today we'd find our, our spirits stirred continually, that we would take action now. I pray that you'd call to mind right now, even as we stand here in your presence, those things which by faith we ought to be doing, those things which by faith we ought to be stepping out into, those things which by faith we ought to be persevering in and not giving up. We will not be of those who shrink back, but we'll be of those who obtain the promise because by patience and perseverance, our faith, did, our faith held. We thank you, God. I pray that that very thing that Patty has carried that she richly taught to us today, we'd find ourselves living in everyday life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. We'll have an awesome week walking by faith. If um, Remember, if you're having hands laid on you, I want to ask you to just go straight into the uh, cafe now. We're going to do a little bit of prep time in there. So uh, you all know who you are. Just go ahead and I'll meet you in there in about five minutes. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. Just